Hello, I am Michelle, the practical medium, and um, I am a what you would call a psychic medium, although some people might want to dial the term in a little more closely and call me an educational medium. What that means is that I spend a lot of time explaining stuff that I get from people on the other side, well, primarily one person, and I'll get to that later, about what life is like on the other side, what our purpose and of being physical is all about, the persistence of memory, the persistence of consciousness, all that good stuff. So I guess I just do a really good job of explaining it, and that's been part of my role. However, I am also a working medium, and I also have a blog, and you can find me at www.thepracticalmedium.com, and you can find my latest mental emissions there. Or if you would like to contact me directly, it is Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-E, the practical medium at gmail.com. And just remember, that is one L in the Michelle. If you type two L's, you will not find me. Although I should probably make a Gmail address just for that purpose alone. Anyway, so now that we've gotten that out of the way, um, I'm going to start by just letting you know about who I am. And people who read my blog can actually... Now get my tone about what I, where I might not have done a good job of communicating it before through text. So this is just uh, getting to know you, uh, so as it were, and um, why I talk and think and spout off the way I do. I am not an um, a new ageist by any means. A lot of people think of psychic mediums as having the keys to the universe and oh my god everything's just so totally great on the other side and there's nothing ever goes wrong anymore when you don't have a body and oh we're just so awesome i can tell you right now it ain't so but that's for future talk in the meantime as i make more progress with podcasts you might hear me talk about these things here or there but you know you get an idea that I just don't do bullshit. So on that note, if you have an intolerance for blue language, you might want to skip my listening to me or reading my blog because I am pretty foul at times. Some of that's not always me too, surprisingly enough. Oh yes, the medium, she writes off her propensity for swearing on somebody who's dead. Well, yeah, actually I do. <laughs> because the person I'm about to next Talk, talk about next, Ken, who is a um, who is dead, and he's my guardian, he is my guide, he is my teacher, and he's the person who's basically helping me um, do all of this stuff. Um, from he, he's, he's doing his work on the other side, I'm doing to bring in this to me, and I'm doing things for him on this side, so to speak. Uh, him, anyway, yeah, in life, he and I had a relationship he was my other half in a sense. We were the kind of people that um, you would call Mutt and Jeff in person, uh, or the Bobsy twins if you really wanted to be annoying. And um, I busted his chops, and he could never find ways to bust mine back. So, you know, the kind of relationship that it was just a lot of fun and a lot of love, and it was awesome. And then I lost him about a few years ago at uh, age 55 to a massive heart attack. <clears throat> so anyway, on that note, as I clear my throat, I'll move on, but you will hear me talk about him and I will relay his input 
and I will share what his thoughts are. And he's, you know, how do I put it? Opinionated more so than I am at times. And he's very no bullshit. So now that we've gotten all that out of the way, we will move on to what it's like to be a medium. Dun, dun, dun. Anyway, um, being a medium is kind of weird. And if you've read my blog, you know that I have talked a little bit about how I was meant to be open as a kid, but I closed. I, by the time I was 21 years old, I had had enough of the weird crap floating around my head. See, I didn't talk to the dead. I was targeted by crap, junk, what have you, on the other side. And it still plagues me to this day where I see weird shit as opposed to where what other mediums experience, which is people coming to them. Now, what other mediums will not always admit to is that they also see this weird garbage, but in, it's reversed for them. They see more dead people with some garbage. I see more garbage with less de dead people. At least I did as a kid because it was I was victimized. I was traumatized. I was abused in multiple ways. Not physical abuse, like somebody beat me up on the regular uh, I was just picked on as a kid because I am autistic. And when you're an autistic kid in the 1970s and 80s and going to school in a, in a semi-rural school system, you don't get the help you need. So I struggled. I was the weird one. Nobody really wanted to have anything to do with me. Um, so I was picked on a lot. So it was just a crappy, crappy time until I got to school, got out of school and got to college and things started to even out. So um, around the age of 21, this is why I closed down in case uh, people I'm sure have wondered. For a period of time from about 17 to the age of 21, 22, I went through a lot of people passing, a lot of death. And I don't know if it's necessarily normal for people to have a first their first wave of losing people at that age. But Actually, if I want to go back further, I can actually go to, it started at 14 with uh, the passing of my grandfather, but that was no big loss, and that's another story for another time. But by the time I'm 21, I am going to multiple funerals, I am watching, I'm seeing people in the community die, people that are friends of my parents die, uh, my family are gone, because are leaving because they were older by the time I was born, and I had a bit of a... Uh, Every time I, I noticed every time I walked into a funeral home, I would get swamped with this emotional energy of just pure pain, sorrow, and it was ugly, and I didn't like it, and it wasn't me, and I had enough problems of my own trying to keep my head out of the fog to be able to function, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, I just said, enough is enough. The final tipping point was when I went to the wake of a neighbor. He was married, and he was probably in his 40s or 50s at the time, and he had died suddenly in an accident and left behind a widow and kids. But I walked in there to the funeral home to pay respects with the family, and I felt like I was the widow. I was just overwhelmed with this painful, keening, wailing grief and it was not mine. And I, it, it was just like, I, I can't do this. This is not me. I'm not the widow. I'm 21. I just have a boyfriend. I don't even have a marriage behind me yet. So I went in there. I stayed there, I don't know, for a little while. Then I left. 
And this feeling was following me. And I just said, enough, enough. I can't do this anymore. So I closed the door firmly on it and said, no more. I can't do this. What I didn't know at the time was I was an empath on top of being the psychic medium. And when you have no training or no handling or no guidance from anyone around you, and this is pre-internet days, you don't have any control or clue of what's going on. So you just kind of chuck it in the garbage thinking, this is not, this is, this not normal. This is not right. Most people aren't like this. I know I'm not like most people to begin with. And I don't need another aspect of me making me even weirder. So I just said, I, cl I closed the door, so to speak. Now, what when you close that side of you down, you still have stuff leaking through to you. And um, it was, you know, but it was just like, eh, I can write that off. I can dismiss it. It's just nothing. So more fool me. But anyway, I will fast forward a little bit. We go to the uh, my mid-40s. And I've been with Ken for a little while as a, as a, in a relationship. And, um, you know, I've gone through people, I've lost people. I've lost my grandmothers. I've lost more people in my family because I'm getting to that age where I'm losing people. Right. So I did not expect to lose him. And I purposely ignored all the warning signs that were there because I, I think I didn't want to know, but still it hit like a rock. And it, it was the worst thing I've ever gone through. And to know that you, to realize that you love someone deeper than you've ever realized you could, and you were not able to access those emotions because autism, um, and to be hit with a grief like that was probably one of the worst things I've ever experienced in my life. And I couldn't even go what I would call looking for him. And, you know, like how you think of somebody like your family, your loved one, and you know they're okay because, you know, you've pinged them, so to speak, and they have a, there's a, there's actually, you get a response knowing they're okay. Um, when we think of somebody being in trouble and they're not, that's anxiety, but that's another story for another time. So, um, basically, I had nothing. I had, you know, I was just lost in my, my, my grief. It was, it was one of the worst things I've experienced in my life. And meanwhile, I am getting signs left and right from him. Um, a few days, well, actually, even at the funeral where I'm just sitting there and they do the services, um, the wake rather, and I'm seeing him in my mind's eye leaning on his own coffin like he would if you were alive and, um, you know, going, oh, come on, speed this crap up already. You know, who, and I'm thinking that's normal. I'm thinking everybody sees this, not knowing, no, I'm the only person in the room who sees this. So, you know, it was kind of a wake up moment. Um, you know, I, I'll get back to the uh, story of uh, the signs were as I'm falling asleep. Um, all of a sudden his full name plays out in my head, but it sounded like it was on a piece of audio recording played at like, three-quarter speed, so it sounds like a really weird, um, scary thing. Um, and that's that was him just trying to push through my, my, my static and my grief to get through to me. And uh, um, half when I'm half awake, visions, um, I'm seeing images from his point of view, 
just daily life scenes. Um, and lots of little things were there. But I wasn't, I mean, I'm, by that time I'm closed down for 25 years almost. And I am <clears throat> um, kind of not really thinking that this is a possibility at this point. Because eh, the other side doesn't exist. I'm a materialist. I'm not even religious. I'm just, you know, this is it and we're done. So I was, um, to segue for a moment, I have a friend that I used to play World of Warcraft with uh, many years ago in the, the early days of Vanilla WoW, and she's Australian, and she lives in Australia still. I've never met her physically, and um, I only know what she looks like because of video of over the internet. Uh, same, vice versa. Now, I knew that she's always had a little bit of a, a spiritual side to her. What I didn't know is that she was a full-blown psychic medium because she never really talked about it in full. She could trust me with the knowledge, but she, you know, I never really, eh, eh, whatever, just let it go. I mean, I'm, I, I don't discount the existence of things. So we were going to about, I don't know, at this point, a couple of months after he passed. And he shows up essentially at her doorstep telling telling her can you let her know i'm still here please so she's got so my friend who lives in australia solidly australian person has somebody with a midwestern accent in her head banging at her door tell her i'm here tell her i'm here and that just kind of went uh went from there so that's the story of my reopening in a condensed nutshell the it's been it's been a journey of at this point a little more than three years. Although I could be argued I was working on it when my grandmother passed in 2014, and um, so I've been looking at this longer. And it's just taken that long for me to blow the dust and rust and crap and crud out of my pipes. There is no magic draino to reopen. You got to let the brain adjust as an adult to the changes as it will. Neuroplasticity is a thing even for psychic mediums. And um, you got to rebuild this, uh, rebuild what's in your head, open up the old uh, pathways and byways, and this stuff happens as it happens. So, okay, uh, enough on that. So you have an, a more full idea of what I'm talking about on the website if you have followed me there. So next is how I get information. The there is no good way to describe how your internal voice is all of a sudden taken over by somebody else and you know it's not you because no way would you think like that and no way would you say those words, but they're definitely not yours, but it doesn't exactly come in someone else's voice. You just have kind of a whisper and sometimes you get the visual. Well, most times you get the visual of the person saying it as soon as you tune into it and the key word here is tune. Uh, it is like tuning into a... A radio station. And I've repeated this frequently in different places is that um, being uh, a medium is like being a radio tuner. And we have the radio tuner spinning around the dial, spinning around the dial, spinning around the dial, looking to connect with a radio station. Now, that radio station is somebody on the other side. So when I'm looking for Ken, I go in my head and I to look for him visually in my mind's eye and I say his name sometimes and I connect with him. It's like that. And I ask him questions. He tells me things. Sometimes he, you know, he yanks, gives me the 
verbal equivalent of a wedgie like he did in life, and I return the favor. Um, or he's, you know, when I'm asking a question about what some about what things are like on the other side, he is filling up my head like an encyclopedia. So that is because we have an intimate connection on multiple levels, and we can we talk like that. Um, for somebody else who does not know me, and somebody else, if I'm an intermediary, which is most what psychic mediums mostly do, I don't need a name. I don't get names. I don't know why. It might be something that's in the future that I start picking up people's names, but I get the visual of the person or the representation of who they want me to see so they know I, that's who they are there for this person. So frequently I talk to generations that have passed. So people who are grandparents, um, and they've been gone for a while, and their grandkids are missing them hard. They'll come to me, and they'll they'll come to me wearing, you know, like what you would imagine a grandparent to be wearing, like a grandmother. She's wearing casual clothes or a house coat, and she's comfortable. She's got her hair shortened, sometimes curled, because it's harder to take care of hair when you're older, and glasses, you know, everything you you would associate with an older person. So they... Some, it's like, now, to date, I have not had somebody say I'm wrong with the visual that I bring out. So, you know, everybody looks different to me, and I will give the best descriptors I can from the visual I get and say, okay, does she have this, that, and the other? Does she look like this? Did she wear that? If I can pick it up, I will, and I'll relay it to just confirm. So it's kind of like being a, a, a the my mind's eye turns into a third party viewer like a like a video camera and I interpret what comes to me sometimes I get language sometimes I get um, emotional fog of words like a word cloud but it's emotional and from there I start drawing in the information and then that leads me into deeper information from that person so I can relay it and it's just some some mediums get it right up front and and centered for me, at this point in my reopening, it's I'm interpreting and uh, using that interpretation to go further into what they're telling me because all of a sudden I'll get something right and they'll go like, yeah, 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 yeah. And oh my God, 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 and they'll spit it all out before I have a chance to say, wait, 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 give me a second to catch up with you. So they get so excited that they have to spit it out and get it out and the time's limited and, you know, et cetera. So. Um, on that note, that's a basic insight into what it's like to be a medium of my style. Other mediums will tell you that um, they have multiple voices in their heads at all times, which makes them feel like they're schizophrenic, but it's not because schizophrenics get directives, they get told to do things, they get told to do negative things, whereas somebody who's dead will come up to you and go, oh, hey, hi, um, I see you can talk to this person here, and I'm related to that person. Can you tell them? Can you tell them this for me? Can you tell them that for me? Can you please, please, please? And if, because mediums are not exactly um, widely accepted, except uh, um, in most cases, even though the tide is turning with the TV shows, you know, just to do it in the wild is sometimes kind of too freaky, especially when it's somebody you work with. So you don't really have want to say anything. Or if it's a random person on the street, then that's easy. You just walk up to them and say, hey, I see this person around you and they've been asking me to pass you a message, so I'm delivering it, and then you can just walk away. That's a little easier than somebody you work with or know or hang out at the gym with. So that is uh, basic insights 
onto um, un, 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 unto what it's like for me to be a medium and what it may, who knows where this is going to go at this point. I, you know, at one point I wouldn't have even gotten as much as I get now and it might get even more of a wider pipeline down in the, as I progress. There is just no knowing where this will take me. I mean, I ask the questions and I get the answers and I have to trust that which is a lot of fun, I tell you that. Um, but the future doesn't exactly lay itself out in a neat path. So on that note, um, you if again, if you have listened to, or not listened, excuse me, if you've read my blog, you know I am very anti-New Age. And that is because the other side isn't about what is something promised in, in the Bible or any religious tome. When you go home, you go home. If your favorite place to be was your childhood home and all of the subsequent homes you've had as an adult didn't were nowhere near as wonderful as your childhood home, it's simple. You go back there. And if it's to replay family or replay family roles, with your parents and siblings, you can do that too. Or if you just want to exist there, you can do that too. So if your idea of heaven is the most wonderful place on earth, which is for me and being up in the mountains and looking out at the horizons, then that's where I would go. Um, that's an example where I know where I'll probably go. And that's with Ken and that's in a neighborhood that's identical to the one he uh, loved the most. And I don't mind that sharing that space with him when I go home. That's where he is, is my home. So to give you an idea. But that's in the future. That's 40, 50 years from now. And I'm not in a rush to get there. I'll tell you this much. So that is an, a basic insight into the other side. But imagine when you go home, you go home. You don't go to play harps in the clouds and be bored all the time because trust me, humans get bored because our souls get bored. We have to be doing something. We have to be active. Even the most lackadaisical person that you've ever known, i.e. the typical pot smoker living in his parents' basement with seemingly no ambition in life will do things from time to time that are in their own best interest. And that's the same. That's who we are at our core. We're busy things where we, where we want to do things we want to experience. We want to live the lives we enjoyed and we go do it and we find our ways around. And it's just, life is not exactly um, a bed of roses over there. It's a little, it's more easy, but we still have our struggles. We still have our challenges and we still go through them. So, you know, it's um, why I'm not a new ageist by any means. It's not, it's just, it's beautiful. Yes. There's a lot of love there. Yes. You don't have the same stressors here because you don't have the mental and body chemicals screwing things up for you all the time, but it is still not as, um, it's still not an enlightened place. It's just a place where we go and keep doing what we've been doing. So on that note, the, you will, some people like to use the word the veil or the thing that separates us from the other side. And I borrow Ken's phrase, which is the other side of the fence. Think of, of, of the TV show Home Improvement and Wilson on the other side of the fence. And 
that's the image I'm always given when I think about the veil. And it's instantly replaced by Ken with that imagery. It's like, thanks, dude. But yeah, it's the other side of the fence. Um, the grass is always greener kind of thing. And it is and it isn't. And too, when we're on the other side of the fence, we think that the grass is greener over here. When it isn't. When it is. So I will use more practical terms as I go along. And um, just not talk fluffy, goofy, unicorns, pooping glitter, and rainbows kind of thing. You will never hear that from me. In fact, there are some terms I don't like using, but I do use because there is no other good word for them in any language to describe them. So I will actually try to avoid saying somebody's dead because to me they are not. They're just as alive as they were when they had a body. They're not gone. They haven't disappeared. They're just harder to connect with. And that's why people like me exist is to reconnect people um, because it's just something that is hard for people to do on a, on a regular basis with everything else that goes in in our lives to make it easy to connect with the dead. Now, as we, as education and the word and acceptance gets more, gets wider, as I'm seeing, more people might be able to connect with their loved ones who have passed and um, without the need for mediums. But there's not, when somebody's lost a loved one, they're not going to get beyond the loved one. However, that's something for another time. They're going to be able to connect with their loved ones, but not like randoms. So that's, so who knows what the future will bring, but I think more people will be doing this on their own. And I will gladly discuss in the near future how people can do this on their own. And I'll, I'll devote a whole episode to it. And, um, you know, just say, relax. Douglas Adams was right. Bring a towel because that towel means everything will be okay. As long as you have that, you got nothing to worry about. So on that note, uh, again, if you would like to email me, it is Michelle, the practical medium at gmail.com. And again, M I C H E L E the practical medium at gmail.com. And if you would uh, like to just follow my brain farts online it is thepracticalmedium.com and it's a blog site and it needs a little gussying up but right now it's a good place to put my thoughts and if you have any questions any comments anything you would like me to address in future episodes feel free to email me or find me at the website and drop me a line through the email that's on the front page so on that note i am going to close this out and thank you for making it this far if you have and um, we will talk again soon.